Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. I know that some people think that when you're in ministry, uh, you have no enemies. But Mm. the truth is, I've never had more enemies than when I was in ministry. And there was one man in particular when I started a particular ministry that seemed to be out to destroy me and my ministry team Mm. as we were working together. And really, we kind of got sucked into this thing because my team members were saying, you know what he's done now? Or you know what he said? And then we started trying to anticipate what he would do next and how Mm. we could undo the damage that he was doing to us. And I finally noticed that we were so wrapped up in this that we had lost all creativity, Hmm. all sensitivity, and all focus for our ministry. And I finally said, you know, folks, we're we're stopping this. I don't care what this guy does. Hmm. They said, you can't do that. I said, yes, we can. We're going to ignore him because God has not called us to fight against him because the more we fight against him, the more we become like him. Isn't it something how when you're fighting an enemy, sometimes you use the same tools and you become like your enemy in the process? It's exactly what we did. We, We used those tools. And so, we stopped, and you know, when we stopped and we focused on our ministry, creativity returned and the joy of serving our Lord returned. And, and basically, he became irrelevant. <laughs> hmm. You know, I, I have read a book that has helped me a lot. It's a study in brokenness for ministers. Hmm. And it's called A Tale of Three Kings, and it's based yeah. on, on actually the life of David. And my favorite phrase from this book, A Tale of Three Kings, is that God used Saul to kill the Saul in David. Hmm. Because there are two orders of king. That those under the Saul, which when you're upset, you throw a spear and, you know, you eliminate mm-hmm. your enemies. And then there's the other kind of king, the one that David eventually became, not using those tools. Right. But during this time of suffering, this what we call Cave 101, the time between his anointing and his appointing, uh, David learns not to be like Saul. And the way he learns that is through Saul. So God uses Saul to kill the Saul in David so that when David comes to the throne, he's not like Saul. And that experience with Saul was actually a time of suffering for David because he was removed from family and friends. He was running for his life. He was depressed. He was with depressed people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, things are so wrong in my life. There's so much pain right now. Why has God forsaken me? I don't think he has. No. I think he's using that as your cave time so that he can perfect in you something of value. You know, I don't find any significant character in the Bible that has not gone through these cocoon times, these Mm -hmm. cave times. I mean, think about it. Elijah becomes suicidal. Moses goes to the desert. I mean, every significant person goes through a time of caves where God teaches them something about who he is and about who they are, and in the process refines them. We hate the caves, but we really should not, because it's in the caves where we grow. I've never grown as much as I did in caves. But let's take a look at this story. We find it in 1 Samuel chapter 22. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Every, listen to the group who joined him here. This is a fun group. <laughs> this Every, is like a, like oh, a church. <laughs> oh, this is all. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him, 400 guys cramped into a cave, all of them <laughs> depressed and angry. What a great place to be. <laughs> and David's their leader. I'm the captain of this angry, depressed group. I've been there. I'm telling you. <laughs> 
you make me laugh. Oh, like, that's a terrible place. Well, because because sometimes we don't realize the value uh, that God, uh, you know, places in these times of training. Here we have an um, like. I'm sorry. I just was thinking about what this place must have smelled like with 400 guys, you know, in a cave. I'm sorry. This was terrible. I'm sorry. Well, I interrupted you. And I, no, no, but, that's okay. You that do that all the time, yeah, I do, so it's but, okay. But it, it was worth it. There, go ahead. Well, what happens is we. I mean, David is already depressed on his own. He's distressed on his own, and he's in debt on his own in the sense that he doesn't even have a piece of bread. No. That's why he was asking for it in the previous chapter. And here God says, okay, this is training for the king that you will become. But of course, it's hard because when you're between the anointing and the appointing, mm-hmm. you go through these cave times. And God says, okay, it's time for you to start developing your leadership skills. But this is the group of people <laughs> that you're going to lead. I think he's saying if you can lead them, you can lead anyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you think. Well, I think that he's getting training on leading a little army in this case, but he's also getting training in being compassionate and patient. Don't forget that that he had sheep that he used to lead, mm-hmm. and, and sheep are very dumb animals, you know, yeah. in the sense that they don't even know how to find the food for themselves. That's right, and they can't protect themselves, they, they can't do anything. So here we have people that have failed in life, and uh, God says, okay, you're going to lead them. Yeah. And see, we're told here, um, it's funny that the Bible says this, it doesn't say that there are only 400 men, it says that Everyone who was in distress, in debt, <laughs> the whole nation, or discontented, yeah, uh, wonder why they felt attracted to David. Maybe because he know. was one of them. I guess so that they could identify with him. He was certainly charismatic, but then mm-hmm. to to think, well, I can at least identify with him. Saul hates him. He seems to hate all of us as well, mm-hmm. and and maybe God hates us too. So they yeah. all, were all drawn to him. But David, not only did he have to lead them and keep their spirits up, but I have a feeling that he also used this as an opportunity to. to minister to them. And that's one of the best ways out of your own cave is to minister to others. Yeah. And, you know, I found this also in the life of Joseph, for example, during prison time. Yeah. You know, he's being trained to be overseer mm-hmm. over Egypt, but he's being overseer over prisoners at yeah. that moment. Anyway, going back to David, we have here what God does for him is very interesting because, first of all, he gets a support group. His family joins him at the cave. Yeah. Uh, by now, maybe the brothers are believing in him more or something because they go there. But they certainly come to his aid. E- yes. Even if, you know, there's a time to put aside sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. And when someone's after my brother, you know, uh, that blood is thick. Yeah. And there I am. I'm there with you, David. So he gets a support group. He starts getting skills on leading people, and in this case, people in distress. He starts getting skills on how to be compassionate, merciful, patient with people that are in trouble. But he also is learning how to talk to God in a real vulnerable way because, you know, sometimes when everything is going good, it's easy to talk oh, to God. Oh, it's easy to talk to him then, but it's when you're in, in pain. When you're in cave 101, it's, yeah. it's hard to just open up and say, Lord, I don't understand what is going on. I mean, I don't understand why you're allowing this in my life. But when you can do that, that's when the growth occurs. And David did that. And we have evidence of this from a psalm that he wrote while he was there in the cave. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting. Psalm 142, if you read in your Bibles, you're going to see that there's a little introduction in small letters, usually most versions, that say that David wrote this when he was in the cave. And in yeah. the cave is Adullam. It was the major cave where he was in. And this is referred to as a mascal, which is a teaching psalm. This is something that we're supposed to learn something from. And here's what he, he writes here. I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. Okay, I pour wait, wait, out wait. my complaint <laughs> before him. Okay, well, let's, let's do them one no. at a time. Yes, please. Here, can we do one at a time as you read and then get a lesson, well, learn actually, something what, from what, it? What we have here is parallelism. I mean, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. That's, that's saying the same thing yes, twice. Yes, yes. And the main point I was going to say is 
I imagine David crying aloud in the cave, mm-hmm. learning to be vulnerable with God in down times. Not just when he, you know, is, is victorious over Goliath and when things are going. Here's a grown-up man, a leader of the army, crying aloud. Well, as far as he's concerned, his hopes and dreams have been dashed. Everything's turned against him. His life is in peril, and he's stuck in a cave away from his wife, away from the people he loves and cares about and who care about him, yeah, other than a, a, some of his families joined him there. There was a time in my life that I only thought I could talk to God about good things, Yeah, that he couldn't handle, you know, the trouble. Yeah, who are we kidding? He knows yeah, anyway. That's right. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. Again, parallelism, so it's poetry. He's saying the same thing twice in yeah, two different ways. And he's presenting the trouble. He's not in denial that there is big trouble here. So, so far we have two points. One, he's crying aloud, being vulnerable. Second, he's presenting the trouble in detail, What's right. going on? But now he also recognizes that there's something else going on here. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path and the way where I walk. They have hidden a trap before me. Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape from me. No one cares for my soul. And then he says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said to you, you are my refuge. And this is the third point we have, that in his despair, he realizes that the answer is not within him, that he has to look outside of himself if he's going to get any positive perspective. Perspective That's out right. of this. He says, you're my portion in the land of the living. The only person who understands this is you. Hmm. Uh, of all other living creatures, I'm alone. But you are the one who understands what's going on, and you are my refuge. And then he says something that actually touches me so much. He says um, in verse 6, deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Yeah. There comes a time when you say, you know, Lord, I've tried everything I can, plan A, plan B, plan C. And this is too powerful for me. I'm going to turn it over to you. And at the fifth point, I love, because he ends up in such a positive point here. Bring my soul out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. He's trusting God. He comes to trust God and in God's goodness, that this is not going to end up the way it looks, that God is actually going to be good to him. And those are wonderful lessons. You know, times of suffering really train us. Um, The New Testament says that even Jesus, who was a perfect being, was perfected through his suffering as he was accomplishing salvation for us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. See, the, God perfects our calling through our suffering and through our training ones. Yes, Cave 101 is a difficult season. Cave 101 is hard. And yet, throughout this time, God is working His will through us. You may find yourself in the cave right now, and if you're like me, you hate the cave. But I'm telling you now, you trust the Lord. He's going to use the cave to prepare you for something bigger, something better. Trust Him. Learn the lessons in the cave. And the major lesson is this. You're not big enough for this problem, but God is, and He will give you deliverance. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus 101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus 101 Media. Until next time, live free.